Hello, 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 hello. Welcome to Feeling It, a podcast where we discuss TV, movies, pop culture, and whether or not we are feeling it. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to the show. And here we go. Come on, walk and talk. All right, here we go. You guys want to hear something neat? It's showtime! Hold your ears, folks. Here we go! See what you can do now. Take your position. All right, ladies, buckle up. Let's do this. Hold on to your butts. Seriously? Listen to me very, very carefully. Hey, it's me again. Eat him up. Enjoy. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to Feeling It. Each week on this show, we like to share what pieces of pop culture we're really feeling. Whatever show, movie, song, or tech, we just can't get out of our heads. In addition to those picks, this week we'll be talking about some big Star Wars news. And um, we're going to discuss the Apple event that happened yesterday. Um, New iPhones, Apple Watch updates, all that jazz. Um... But before we get started with all of that, let's introduce ourselves. And when we do, let's answer the question, how many Apple devices do you currently own or use? I'm Lawson Soward. I'm an art director in Nashville, Tennessee. And uh, I had to do some counting because these aren't things I use every day, but they're all operational. And I think I have 10 Apple devices. Um, what, what's the variety of that, Lawson? What are we talking about? <laughs> So we got some, uh, we got the iPhone I use every day, an iPad, you know, my, my work phone, my work laptop, my actual laptop, a bunch of old iPod, I have some working iPod classics, an Apple TV, iPod, all that kind of stuff. So it's just like kind of runs the gambit. And if an Apple device I have is working, I'd never throw it away. For, for sure. Man, Baby Driver definitely makes those iPod classics look very romantic nowadays. <laughs> and they hold so much music. It's crazy. Yeah. A thousand songs in your pocket. I did really consider <laughs> like buying one after seeing Baby Driver and then I was like, oh, I don't own any music anymore. I stream it all. I was like, <laughs> that, that would be useless to me. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. It's true. Well, I'm Lucas Schreider, designer from the Bay Area, and I, I own personally four Apple products. I iMac, iPhone, um, and two Apple TVs. But for work, I have four other Apple devices. So I'm Sandra Amstutz. I'm a social media manager in Nashville, Tennessee. And I use and own eight. And some of them are work, but most of them are my own. Um, yeah, like you said, Lassus, when I lost them, when I get something, I hold on to it. Or especially another thing is like my work will sometimes sell old Apple products that like we don't use anymore at a really great deal. And so sometimes I'll just pick them up just to, you know, ha- put in the guest room. Um, <laughs> so yeah. There's a guest iMac. <laughs> it, it, there is a guest iMac in my... Is there really? There is, yeah. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. My work was selling um, iMacs that were in really good condition for $90 each. What? Yeah. And I was like... That's, like, cheaper than putting a TV in the guest room. It sure Um, is. That was a good call. Yeah. Um, So we asked that question so that everyone would know, understand what kind of bias we're working with today. (laughs) The answer is a lot. Right. Um, Give give people some context. Um, Before we get started with talking about the Apple event, let's talk about what we're feeling this week. Lawson, what are you feeling? This week, I'm feeling an animated Netflix show called BoJack Horseman. Have either of you guys watched this? I have. No. You know, Lawson, 
I hear so much great hype about BoJack Horseman, and um, whenever I hear a ton of hype about an animated show, it really makes me not want to watch that show. <laughs> and that is me being, like, bitter and not, real, you know, um, yeah. positive. But that's just what happens in my head. I mean, that's very fair. I have had the opposite experience. Well, I guess that's not true. There have been uh, some shows like Family Guy and uh, all those, like the Seth MacFarlane-verse, where I, in college, heard a lot of bros talking about how funny they were, and I always didn't like them. Like, I didn't like them very much. Um, But my more recent experience with not knowing about a cartoon and then watching it only because it was recommended to me so fervently was Bob's Burgers, and that was a great experience. So whenever so many people in my, uh, like, circle of friends were recommending BoJack Horseman, I finally gave in and started watching it, and it is really, really funny. It's the... I love Will Arnett, and I love... uh, We had been watching a lot of 30 Rock, and so it was... um, not 30 Rock. Well, he's in 30 Rock, but I was going to say Arrested Development. Um, but all the shows that Will Arnett uh, is in, I've, I've loved. And so seeing a show where he was the main character was already really interesting to me. And I'd heard it was kind of a show that had something to say. And so I gave it a shot. And I think it's something... Um, I think you might actually really like it, Sandra, because what it does, um, it does an examination of nostalgia culture, pop culture and celebrity culture that I haven't seen in many other shows. Sometimes it gets pretty dark, but overall it's very funny, very entertaining. There's a bunch of really great visual gags. Um, I'm not that far along. I just got to an episode with kind of a twist reveal at the end, like three or four episodes in, that made me think, oh wow, this show is doing something that most cartoons don't. It's not... uh, I love sitcoms, so I'm not going to say just a sitcom, but it is, even though it is a 30-minute comedy, it also, it feels a little bit more akin to something like uh, You're the Worst or one of those dramedies, like half comedy, half um, going through stuff really serious. And the fact that they're able to do that in an animated world where uh, animals coexist walking around on two feet and talking with humans uh, is really weird. Like, it's just a really weird show. But it makes her some really interesting dynamics that have been, so far, played for, like, just great puns. Like, there's an episode where uh, they're watching the news, and it's MSNBC, and instead of the letter C, it's the word S-E-A-C, and everyone on there is, a like, a marine mammal. <laughs> um, and so little stuff like that peppered in throughout everything, like, oh, that was really funny. And, like, while you're watching MSNBC, along the bottom, like, the, the Chiron you know, news language that scrolls down on the bottom of the screen uh, is all really funny. Like, I went back and watched the scene twice because what they were saying was funny, but reading that stuff was also funny. And just overall, the show is just very, very dense with laughs and uh, with thought and intentionality. Um, and even though it is, you know, a little cynical, um, it also says some things that I've not heard many TV shows say, let alone an animated show. So yeah. I was really impressed. Um, I didn't know kind of where to put my expectations, but after hearing so much about it, I thought, well, I'll give in and watch it. And it has 
exceeded whatever expectations I had. It's a very, very fun show and worth my time. Yeah, I would definitely, I think the You're the Worst comparison is is the best because there's, I think those two shows are doing similar things um, with very different storylines and with very different mediums. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I, I also agree just with the, the visual comedy that's in there. There's lots of little just gags that you don't get or that you let you finally like pay off like seasons and seasons later. Um, they have an Oscar episode where just on a whiteboard in the background is written like all the Oscar nominations. And if you just pause that and it's, I think it's in season three, but if you just pause that and just read through it, it is hilarious, but it's not something that's ever mentioned or brought up. It's just a background gag <laughs> and it's, it's so good. It's really well done. It deals with a lot of, I think, awesome issues that I haven't seen handled in any other way before. It's fantastic. Lawson, did you say how far into this show you are? I'm only four or five episodes in, but I'm already hooked. Okay. And Lucas, how many seasons are there so far? Uh, season four just uh, showed up on Netflix a couple weeks ago. Okay. So, yeah. You got oh, your work cut out for to. you if you're jumping in. <laughs> <laughs> how many episodes are in the season? I just started watching it. I haven't really been keeping track. Is it like a 10-episode thing or like a 20-episode thing? It's 12. You know? 12 per season. That's not that bad. Half-hour episodes? Very doable. Oh, yeah. Very easy to get through. Well, thank you very much, Lawson. Lucas, what are you feeling this week? Um, This week I'm feeling Top of the Lake Season 1, which I actually thought was originally just going to be a miniseries. Um, but they're doing a Season 2. So I decided to finally... It's been on my Netflix queue for the longest time. Um, but it recently got removed from Netflix, so it was removed from my queue. Um and so I finally decided, okay, it's time to watch season one before season two comes out. And guys, this show is incredible. Have you guys seen Top of the Lake? No. You know, Lucas, this is one I've been meaning to watch. And um, the con the basic concept of the show, the like there's a dead girl and there's a mystery, has never been super exciting for me. But mm -hmm. a lot of the rest of the things that I've heard about the show are exciting for me. So tell me about it. Yeah, let's yes. just watch this start to finish and loves it. Oh, so we're yeah. Planning on starting it soon. Good, good. So, this is basically a detective story set in New Zealand, which those are two of my favorite things. Um, <laughs> but it deals with the investigation of a dis of a the disappearance of a pregnant 12 year old girl. Um, so, not a dead girl, <laughs> just a, a pregnant, a disappearance. So, it stars Elizabeth Moss as the detective, and um, she gives. One of my, I have never been a huge fan of Elizabeth, Elizabeth Moss. Blasphemy. I've, I know, I know, I, I, <laughs> and I feel bad saying this, but like, I, I, th I thought she's done great. I just haven't really been, I don't know, I haven't really liked many of her characters that she's played. But this one, I think, is the one that I, not, I guess, not connect to isn't the the best word, but I think the the one that I, I, I feel she's putting in the most amount of effort you possibly can into acting. It it's, works for you. It is it's incredible. Her character from New Zealand? Her character is, yes. Uh, her accent is not the best, but... <laughs> well, um, they say it 
someone's accent and how good you think it is depends a lot on whether or not you've heard their native speaking voice before. It is true, but it is also very difficult when she's surrounded by actual New Zealand actors you know? and she's trying, she's talking to them that you can just hear the stark difference <laughs> in her. She, <laughs> she, she, she definitely, she definitely doesn't do like a terrible job at all, but I think it's, it's very different if she were playing a New Zealander in America but having to go up against very authentic accents, I think, is mm. very difficult to, mm. to, to hide um, your L.A. girl. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but this show, it's seven episodes long. It's really quick. Um, there's no fluff at all. They get right into it. It's very dramatic, very harsh. I think there's a lot of, there's a, there's a lot of this storyline, I think, that's very... Um, aspects um, you are dealing with a pregnant 12 year old so having to kind of go through the mystery of you know what happened to her and investigating you know everyone in her life is sad and terrifying and um, but the the girl who plays um, the pregnant girl um, her name is uh, Jacqueline Joe she is amazing She's fantastic, and I think she's like fourteen. But I can see her being in a lot more stuff coming up. I'm, I'm I mean, this show came out in I think 2014, so I'm surprised she hasn't been cast in more things. But she does an excellent job. So you guys, I would. You said uh, Lindsay has watched this, right? Uh, yeah, Lindsay has seen it, and yeah, has been kind of like on my case about like you should watch this. You would love this. For a while, yeah. and we just haven't had the time to sit down and watch TV. For I know. <laughs> I, I would definitely recommend watching it, for sure. The cast alone of season two is what really might get me to watch season one, um, just so that I can be caught up to watch season two. Because seeing Nicole Kidman in a show again, and Gwendolyn Christie with Elizabeth Moss all together, that yes. really, really is a, a draw. Um Lucas, where did you watch this if it, they took it off Netflix? It's on iTunes. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for that, Lucas. All right, so this week I want to talk... Usually we try to stay pretty positive in our picks. We try to recommend things that we like. Um, so I'm going to do that, but first I have to tell you about something I didn't like and what inspired me to watch the thing that I like. Um I was really excited to see this movie home again, you guys. <laughs> it's directed by Nancy Myers' daughter, Haley Myers Shire, I think. And I saw this trailer. I saw a lot of marketing for this movie, actually. And the marketing really got me. It looked just up my alley. It looked very charming. Um, I laughed during lots of different like trailers and little clips I would see on Twitter. And I was ready to go when this movie came out. Uh, I went, plus, I love rom-coms. I love Nancy Myers, And so to see a movie from her, like, offspring, was really exciting. And then I went and saw this movie, and it's just really bad. And I love rom-coms. I am someone who appreciates the genre as a whole. Which means <laughs> I like rom-coms when they're good. I like them when they're okay. Often, I even like them when they're bad. Um, and then this movie was just, it was really bad. And that was really disappointing. Um, one of the things that made it so disappointing was that the plot of this movie is so good. Like, it's such a perfect setup and, um, story device. 
Um, the basic setup is that Reese Witherspoon plays a woman whose marriage is ending. She has kids. Her life is um, in this state where she doesn't really know what she wants to do with herself. And out of nowhere, she meets these three young, attractive 20-something guys um, who need a place to stay, and she lets them stay in her guest house. And they kind of work their way into her family. And that's a great plot idea. Also, the casting for this movie is incredible. We've got Michael Sheen playing um, her ex-husband. Hilariously, we have Candace Bergen playing her mother. Three really hot, charming, funny guys playing the three guys. Um, and then Reese Witherspoon herself, who is truly an icon. So many things about this movie should have been right. And yet, the writing was so bad that it none of it held together. Um, uh. There was so many things I did like about it. Like I said, the casting is good, which means there were definitely moments of this movie that were really lovely and charming. I won't deny that. And there were a few scenes where the writing was on point. You know, she would hit the writing every now and then. One scene had me dying laughing. Other scenes definitely were very touching. Um, but it was all the other scenes that, like, glued the movie together where the writing was just so bad or, you know, sometimes it's hard to tell. Is the writing so bad that the acting seems bad or is the acting so bad that the writing <laughs> seems bad? But I'm pretty sure it was the writing at fault because I've seen all these actors and other things where they're very talented. Um, yeah. And overall, it was just really, really really disappointing. So I left that movie theater that afternoon being like, man, I had myself worked up. I I wanted a Myers movie. And so I immediately went home and put on It's Complicated, a movie from Nancy Myers herself. And um, this is a movie I saw a long time ago. I didn't really pay that much attention to it. Uh, didn't have any strong feelings about it. And now watching it again as an adult and maybe after someone who just saw a movie from her daughter, um, it's Complicated is a great movie. Meryl Streep is uh, incredible in it, as usual. Uh, it has Alec Baldwin. It has um, John Krasinski in a, in a small role that's really funny and lovely. Uh, Lake Bell is both in Home Again and in this movie as sort of a comic villain. Um, one thing that I noticed watching It's Complicated is how much it has in common with Home Again. Home Again took a lot of similar plot points <laughs> from It's Complicated and weaved them into this story. Uh, after watching both of these movies, and this is sort of a slight spo spoiler for both of them, um, it's really very obvious that the worst thing you could do to one, either Nancy Myers or her daughter is to stand them up for a date. Like, in both of those movies, <laughs> that is the ultimate crime. That, like, oh really <laughs> does does our uh, male heroes in. Um, so, all that to say, It's Complicated is, like, really thoughtful, and um, it deals with a woman whose marriage is over, and she's trying to decide if having an affair with her ex-husband, um, rekindling some of that spark is good for her, if she should move on with her life, if she should revisit old love. And it handles these issues of 
marriages ending and independence and sex and pleasure and doing things for yourself with such nuance and a nuance that I really wish Home Again had had. So that's my Nancy Myers, Haley Myers what is your, spiel. What is your favorite Nancy Myers movie? Nancy Myers is a director of rom-coms that I like, but I'm not obsessed with like I am, like Nora Ephron. Um, right. I think my favorite Nancy Myers movie is Something's Gotta Give with um, Diane Keaton mm-hmm. and Jack Nicholson. And that's mostly because I really love Diane Keaton. Um, so, amazing. and Amanda Peet's in that, and that always helps. Yep. yep. Yeah. And Keanu Reeves. Yes. Who was, <laughs> who was really wonderful in that movie. It's one of his best roles, for yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Are we ready to talk some quick movie news? Yes. Okay. So we found out yesterday that um, y'all discussed last week that Colin Trevorrow would be leaving Star Wars 9 as its director. And yesterday it was announced that J.J. Abrams is taking over that spot and will be directing Star Wars 9, Episode 9. How do we feel about this? I'm very surprised because, Lucas, I can't remember... Who what, was it? J.J. Abrams that you threw out as a as a possibility? It was one of the people already directing a Star Wars I, film. I thought it would be Rain Johnson because yeah. I, I thought it'd be Ryan Johnson because J.J. Abrams was very against coming back and doing it again once he finished it. But I'm sure. I mean, <laughs> as yeah, soon well, as you finish something, I'm sure he wants a break. But right. I definitely thought that they would they would they would come back to the same pool that they have been getting good water from. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it seems like a very Daniel Craig is going to be James Bond for two more films situation. Um, like, I did not expect this to happen at all. Whenever you said Rain Johnson, I thought, um, like, no, it's going to be somebody new. I loved Force Awakens, so I'm very excited about this news. I didn't see it coming necessarily, but mm-hmm. I think it's going to be really good. I have a lot of confidence in J.J. Abrams' ability to deliver on a Star Wars movie based on track record and his other films. The only thing that worries me about this is J.J. Abrams is so good at mystery. Um, that's kind of, in my opinion, like his strongest suit is building some characters and putting in some things that you're like fascinated by and then letting go of the reins to let somebody else like conclude everything. Um, and he is so good at building that mystery box um, and making you want to know what's inside. Uh, so putting him in the role of the final episode of a trilogy does make me a little bit worried because I really, like, I know that this is a franchise. I know it's probably going to go on forever, but if there's not some sense of finality between the trilogies, like there have been in previous trilogies, um, Mm -hmm. episode three felt like an end. Episode six felt like an end. If episode nine doesn't feel like an end, I could see that really messing up the experience for me. Because I don't want to, I don't want episode nine to feel like a trailer for any more Star Wars. I want it to feel like it's wrapping up the, you know, Kylo Ren and Rey and uh, Finn story. <laughs> and uh, yeah. so that's the only concern I have. Other than that, I think he's going to do a great job. Yeah, I think 
I, I think he will do a great job. I am very interested in just the politics behind all of this Star Wars news. I think they've just the the fact that they've ditched what is it four we're in four or five directors now for Star mm-hmm. Wars movies. Um, the only people who have apparently delivered successful movies. Well, J.J. Abrams is the only one who's delivered a successful movie on his own, basically. Um, the only other movie, Star Wars movie that we've seen from Gareth Edwards, Gareth Edwards, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, was apparently taken away from him during post-production, but um, he kind of played along. And apparently Ryan Johnson's is coming along fine. But the fact that we don't actually have a history of St- Star Wars movies from this kind of new generation. Um, we have really one and one spinoff, and that's it. Um, and yet we've seen kind of so much drama around the production of these. I think it's great to bring it back to somebody who people trust. I mean, I, I know there's some people who did not like The Force Awakens at all. Overall, I thought it was a great movie. I thought it was a great starting point again. Um, the, I think this is one of the best ways you can re kick off this franchise. And I think J.J. Abrams did a great job. Um, I also think a lot of that comes down to Lawrence, Lawrence Kasdan's writing on that movie. Um, and I think one of the big things that I'm worried about with Episode Nine is the fact that right now they have they have Chris Torrio slated to write Episode Nine, which his only writing credits are Argo, for which he won an Academy Award, and Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice, which he did not win an award for. Um, We're going to find out that Emperor Snoke's mom's name is Martha. <laughs> but I'm, I'm not saying he's a bad writer because I like Darko. I did. But someone who has just a 50-50 track record like that, I am very surprised you bring them in to write the conclusion of your Star Wars trilogy. Um, so he, oh, he's also writing Justice League, so we'll, we'll see what happens there. But he makes me nervous. Here's- I'm not saying it's going to be terrible, but he makes me nervous. For a different movie, I would understand Lucas feeling nervous about, like, that writer. Um, Mm -hmm. The reason why he doesn't make me feel nervous as the writer is because on a movie like this, a Star Wars movie, he's going to write a script, and that script is going to get so many passovers by so many different people because this is a major Star Wars movie. Like, that script is going to get worked to death. Um, So... I feel like, and I could be wrong, but when they're investing this much money in a Star Wars film, they're not going to let the script be the issue. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think that yes. I think that that script is going to get a lot of attention that before it actually starts shooting. And he's going to write a script, but I wouldn't count on him having full control or like, you know. His I definitely don't think being he the will. only thing that's being used. No, but I just don't want it to necessarily start with him. I would have been, I would have been fine with him coming in like on a writing team, like with Lawrence Kasdan or you know someone more accomplished. But I would have said the same thing about his Batman v Superman script that that would have had a lot more, but, you know, love and tender care put into it from but other it, people. It, but it's not the different same franchise, as Star Wars. Like studio. Star Wars is right. such a different beast than even even though DC is like a major entity as far as our Mm -hmm. franchises and film goes. It's nothing compared to like what a star Wars movie is like. Yeah. And I I agree. If if they don't like it, they're going to Zack Snyder. Right. If, if I have no fear that if Kathleen Kennedy does not like his script, he will be gone and they'll bring in somebody else. Yeah. I just, (laughs) I just feel like they know what they want. Yeah. And if you know what you want, just do it. 
Like there's no need to bring in these people, these kind of randos to kind of help you build this universe. If you know, that's not, they're not, or not that you know that they're not going to give you, but if they're, if there's a chance, they're not going to give you what you want. I feel like they've brought in all these directors who have been, who would be fun that people have like thought about, you know, oh, this, this would be a really interesting to see their take on a star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. Lucasfilm is not interested in their take on a star Wars f- film. They want Lucas Lucas films take on a star Wars film. Yeah. Um, so just do that. I feel, I feel like, I feel, I feel like we're to the point where like we are getting studio films now. So let's, let's make, just make good yeah. studio films. Um, Andy Greenwald on the watch podcast made a really good point kind of relevant to that Lucas that I'm just going to reiterate where I do agree with you about how like they're bringing in these interesting directors and then kind of taking away that power for these like more spinoff films. You know, we have Rogue One and the Mm -hmm. solo film, but where I don't think that technically applies, even though it kind of looks like it does is with episode nine, his point um, was that putting Colin Trevorrow as that director is not saying here's an interesting perspective. Let's give him a Star Wars movie. I feel his point was Colin Trevorrow was a safe choice, like a J.J. Abrams, because this was just someone who had a lot of success with Jurassic World. Whether you liked or didn't like Jurassic World, he had major box office success. He had quote unquote proven himself with that and so this wasn't um you know someone who'd made one indie movie and like we're gonna give them like an interesting spin um i think they they thought that that was gonna be a very standard director to give a film to and then it turned out that he has an ego and then book of henry came out was a disaster and all these things yeah um so it, it feels the same because it, we're seeing the same narrative. You know, like mm-hmm. she, they hired someone, they fired them, uh, created differences, yada, yada, yada. But it does really seem different than the other instances. Also, I'm just really glad that at least they got it nipped in the bud before, like, all of the production started because that's so true. They're learning from the, their mistakes, and that's that's good yep. to hear. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Also, Star Wars the because of this switch up, the release date for Episode Nine has been pushed from May 2019 to <laughs> December 2019. JJ yes. loves taking those summer release dates and pushing them to Christmas. And <laughs> well, Disney hates I mean, it. see, I, to me, that's I don't know the inner workings of that deal if that was a JJ request, but it seems like. Because of this switch up, you have to push it back because they're starting over. I mean, yeah, Yeah. for sure. It it definitely makes sense. It's just funny that the first time he was helming a Star Wars movie, for very legitimate reasons, it needed to be pushed from summer to Christmas. And they were very public about, like, not being thrilled with that. And they asked for him back. And he's like, well, you got to do that again because I need the time. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I like it because now we have exactly two years each bet- in between each Star Wars movie. Um, they're all spaced out in the Decembers, um, and I'm okay with that. I love being able to go to a Star Wars movie with family over the holidays. Yeah, I mean, like, absolutely. I'm really, it, it's so great. Like, sure, it makes for a great summer blockbuster. I know these movies started as summer blockbusters, but they're such family events now, and mm-hmm. it's hard to find movies that work super intergener- 
general generationally thank you so much generationally and uh i'm stoked to have this at christmas i i would prefer that star wars movies keep coming out around christmas absolutely yep all right are we ready to talk apple let's talk apple let's do it Did y'all watch the full Apple event? Yes. I did watch the full Apple event. Okay, so starts off with this Steve Jobs tribute. Does that matter to y'all? How did that make y'all feel? I feel uncomfortable with the iconization of CEOs, like corporate CEOs. Like, it doesn't mean that he's a bad guy. I think he's done amazing stuff, and obviously I own and use 10 products that he spearheaded, so I'm not... I'm As far as... uh, it just, it made me feel kind of weird in principle, but in execution, I thought it was very sweet. Like, obviously, there's a lot of affection for him there, and they were very intentional about the way that they did it, and I felt like it was a really cool um, and moving tribute, and the building, the theater that they've built is gorgeous. Yeah, I think one of the things that, that uh, was talked about was, like, this is, this is really the first time in the, since Steve Jobs died, um, that they've really talked about him during a keynote. Um, and I think this is really the only time you can do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're at the ten, we're at the 10th anniversary of the iPhone and they're having this event on Apple's new campus for the first time in the Steve Jobs Memorial Theater or whatever it's called. Um, and I think this is if you're going to ever do it, this is the time to give a little quick thing mm-hmm. um, just in honor of of uh, of the guy. But I I do agree with you just memorializing CEOs can get you in trouble up to a point. Yeah. Um, okay, real quick. I don't have I don't have any thoughts. I just wanted to hear y'all's. Um, yeah. yeah. Another quick thing I want to hear y'all's thoughts on is Apple's release of sort of, I don't even know how to describe this, how Apple stores are now town squares and this kind of new lingo to describe the community spaces that Apple is building in different cities. Thoughts on that? I will be honest. That is, uh, I I watched the event afterwards, so I wasn't streaming it live, and so I was able to skip things. That is the one thing I skipped. Oh, I like, my gosh. First, we're going to talk to you about retail, and I was like, bloop, I want to get to the phone. Parts of it, I thought... <laughs> I'll go back and watch it now. Parts of it, I thought, seemed pretty cool, but I, I did get a kick out of... Um, there's a guy I follow on Twitter, Tim Miller, who is... Making jokes about how, guys, this is real, not a Veep episode. Um, because there's a lot of similar similarities to the time um, Selena Myers on Veep visits sort of an Apple slash Google um, tech company. And um, the lingo being used did make me laugh a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. That the change the world mentality, you know, can, take, can always be taken a little bit too far sometimes. Um, and I, I did get a kick out of it, but I don't have any major gripes. Um, how do you, I'll, I'll ask, I'll ask this question. <laughs> how do you guys feel about a corporate, um, entity running a like town square type environment? I mean, to an extent it already happens, you know, that's definitely a vibe that like Starbucks is often going for. Um, mm-hmm. and doesn't get more corporate than Starbucks. <laughs> um, uh, 
to me, the ultimate and, and also to an extent, the ultimate town square is something like Twitter or Facebook. And those are also corporate entities. So we're already playing into this. You know, this isn't, people don't, parks are rarely used anymore as true gathering spaces for like meetings of the mind. Um, and so, yeah, it are, it's already happening. Yeah. Uh, I agree. I agree. I, That's that. I think it's like the only weird. The only thing that feels strange about it is there are actual physical objects you can buy there. Right. But it's not that different from being on Facebook and having ads with, you know, for anything. For anything, but especially things that you talked about in a Gmail that you sent to somebody <laughs> earlier. Um, pop up there like you're using the service you're using this platform to talk to people um and kind of the way we're doing it right now in america is those spaces are funded by corporations yeah. and so it's not if if any company is going to do it i would prefer it to be apple because they usually have a really good sense of aesthetic and of kind of being understated about stuff and so if anybody's going to kind of leave the space for those um, conversations to really exist well, but also give you the opportunity to buy something if you want. I think Apple is pretty uniquely suited to do that kind of thing. Um, but as far as it being a place that I would want to go, like cause a Starbucks type thing, I want to go because I want to get some caffeine and then I'll hang out. Uh, it's a lot more rare that I'm like, I want to go buy a $700 phone and then hang out. Um, I may want to go see the new thing and like try it out. That's a great thing to do. But um, anyway, yeah. I didn't watch that section, so maybe I shouldn't comment. No, oh, yeah, I getcha. <laughs> um, okay, Apple Watches, do we care? I do now. You do now. So yeah. is the addition of cellular to an Apple Watch a big drawing point for you, Lawson? Game change for me, yeah. Mm. Um, really? Yeah, it makes me want one, and I did not want one before. Um, I did some digging to try and see the pricing on it. It's, you get three months free. After that, it's an additional $10 a month to have cell service on your watch. So that is not appealing. <laughs> um, I may wait a little bit longer, another series or two, um, for them to, for the technology to, uh, make these thinner. I'm interested in a thinner watch than what they currently have. Um, and maybe the pricing will, will come down or like something in that structure will change. They'll bundle something. Um, mm -hmm. But I love the idea of being able to go on a run, go to the gym, go for an errand, all of those things with an emergency way to get in touch, a way to listen to music, a way to do all that kind of stuff um, without having a huge screen or having a big rectangle in my pocket. The other thing that this made me more interested in than I've ever been before is Apple Music because that is a real competitive advantage if they continue to bottleneck uh, music streaming to only Apple Music to their watch. I think that's super smart um, to have that because to me it's like Apple Music, Spotify, even Tidal. Like I don't care which one it is. I just want the streaming wars to be over. And... Uh, if it gets to a point where, you know, you can stream music on a watch and leave your phone at home, but 
you can only stream music on a watch if it's Apple Music, that would be a, a motivator for me to use that service. If I was a person that worked out, then all of this would be infinitely more appealing. <laughs> but, <laughs> but because I am not that person, Apple Watches hold no appeal to me. I have um, a Fitbit charge right now, which does give me text message alerts and tracks my steps and all those things. Um, but I, I am just so attached to my phone. Um, I'm on my phone truly constantly. And I, part of that is, you know, I like to, as a social media manager, there's an element of my job that's like, I have to be ready to respond instantly if anything happens. Um, and that's not work I can do on a watch. It's work that I have to be able to do on a phone. So mm-hmm. I always have to have my phone with me at all times. And if I have to have my phone with me at all times, then what good does the watch do me? And that's my per- specific situation. Um, so, yeah, the, those watches, man, when they first came out, I was like, this is a game changer. I want one so bad. And now I have very little interest in them. Yeah, I... When the first one came out, I was like, I'm going to wait a couple years. And this one's like, ooh, I want one a little bit more. I'm still going to wait a couple years. So there's no urgency to it. Lucas, how do you feel about watches? Yeah, I love real mechanical watches. I I really do. Um, And so visually, I'm not a huge fan of... I don't know, what what are they what are they called smart watches Apple, yeah, yeah smart, oh, smart watches okay <laughs> yeah visually I'm not a huge fan of smart watches at all um and so I've if, yeah if like Lawson said if it slims down a bit if we get a different visual design for these watches it might be something I'm interested in um but just with the current state of it it has never been something that I've wanted so yeah so yeah. it doesn't change that for me <laughs> um okay let's move on to the big stuff iPhone 8. Oh, wait, we're not going to talk about Apple TV 4K? Oh, I forgot about that. No, <laughs> it's that's, in 4K now. That that's is, it. <laughs> yeah. That, that wasn't exciting at all to me because I don't have a 4K TV. Um, right. And it'll yeah. probably be a long time before I can afford to get one. So Ditto. The one thing I thought was cool was I thought it was really a good move on Apple's part to be like, if you bought an HD movie on iTunes, we're going to give it to you in 4K. I'm yeah, like, that's great of you guys. It's, Other than that, I didn't super care. pumped about that's that. That's a I'm really that's such an exciting move, and it's one that I hope is a standard that lots of other services will maintain. That like, Agreed. look, let's just all move forward together. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to buy the same movie eight times. Yeah. Um, Agreed. Okay, iPhone eight. I'm trying to even remember. We're you know iPhone X was so exciting that I'm trying to even remember what were the big upgrades from iPhone eight other than better camera, so I, mm-hmm. better camera, glass encasing, sure, um, wireless charging, wireless charging. Those were the big mm-hmm. things. Yeah. Am I oh, missing and, um, anything big? There's the thing that they did for the iPad that I'm really interested in, but I think most people just kind of be like whatever where it does like ambient true light tone. detection true tone yeah true tone yeah so if you're looking at it and you're there's white light or there's a uh, yellow light coming onto it it matches that tone so it just looks more like paper it feels like a more organic reading experience and i'm super into that personally um yeah that sounds but, exciting yeah i don't see that drawing a bunch of people to stores but i think i think i will probably end up um 
I'm due for an upgrade, and I think I'll probably end up getting an eight. An eight, not an eight plus. No, it. I can't get into the really big phone, even though I really want the portrait mode and especially like the new lighting mode thing that I think is so cool. I I I don't carry a purse, and um, <laughs> my pockets are yeah. Like it's just it's hard for me to to work around so i'm in the I'm same tr- boat always i always trying to convince people that the plus is a great size and you can fit it in your pocket it's not a problem i know it will fit i just don't want that much on my leg <laughs> I, I, I i carried around the i think it was the six plus when it first came out um for i think three weeks um and i couldn't i couldn't do it it's just way too big for me to one to use, just it one-handed. I use my phone one-handed a lot. I do, too. And it's so do impossible I. to do that. And I have smaller and also, hands than you. <laughs> yeah, Sandra, well. <laughs> I think it makes complete sense for someone who is always needing to be in a situation where they can respond to a social media event mm-hmm. having a plus. Because to me, it feels like you get so much great screen, you get so much great canvas, you're able to take and upload pictures that... Um, can work for a whole bunch of different scenarios, even depth of field. For me, I, I don't I don't need all the per- extra perks that come with the bigger screen. And I stuff. mean, Agreed. the camera is a big draw for me for the plus, but honestly, my favorite thing about having a plus is I watch so much video content on my phone. Um, mm. I just, I watch YouTube videos all the time. I watch a lot of TV on my phone and, um, having that bigger screen really makes a difference. So that's, that's my biggest, um, draw. Yeah. I hear that. Yeah. Um, what did y'all think of the eight? Well, one thing that really caught my eye, we'll talk about wireless charging in a sec, but is that new portrait lighting mode. Um, as someone who again has a plus and uses portrait mode on it, um, I th- love the way it works, except that it doesn't work at all indoors for me. Um, when I'm outside, portrait mode looks fantastic. When I'm inside, it's so grainy and pretty unusable. Um, you have to have a lot of light, is what I'm saying, for portrait mm-hmm. mode to work properly, um, at least in my experience. So I'm very curious with these new lighting modes, if that's going to help indoor portrait photography at all. Um I don't know. We'll have to. I'll have to see it in action. But I'm. I'm very intrigued by those for sure. Yeah, that yeah, was. I, I want those to work. Coming. I was gonna say I want those to work really well. Like, yeah, if those, if those nail it every time. And I know, like, the portrait lighting stuff is in beta, um, but portrait mode is no longer in beta. So yeah, I like if I I want those in tandem to work perfectly every time. It'll be amazing. Right. Um. Okay. Wireless charging is finally here with the iPhone. I'm disproportionately thrilled about this. <laughs> um, I the last week, whenever we were in uh, Minneapolis, we went to IKEA, and there were all these great pieces of IKEA furniture and like uh, bedside tables and lamps and all this stuff. Where it's like, and this is where you set your phone down for it to charge. And I just thought, how much sense this makes. Um, so I'm I'm thrilled with wireless charging in general. And another thing that I, they talked about only for a second was like this larger pad that they're coming out with next year where you can set down all your stuff and all of it will charge. And that was a really like that moment. I was very clearly able to see the future of the industry, like whether it's um, how all new bedside tables are built or new lamps or new couches or whatever it is, just having a strip 
that you can put your phone down, put your whatever device it is, and have it charge. It's so easy. It, it's so such a move in the right direction. I hate plugging in my phone every night. I don't know why it's not that big of a deal, but I just don't like it. The idea of being able to set it down and pick it up instead. As small as it, I know it's, it just seems like a really big, it would make a big impact in my routine every single day. I... I like the idea of wireless charging. I still don't feel like this is the wireless charging that I want. Um, and I, and I, I'm sure we're years out from this, but I want the, I guess, the ability to charge without having to put it on a specific pad, without having to... Just truly wireless, contactless. Yeah, like yeah, Wi-Fi. exactly. Exactly. Just like Wi-Fi, exactly. I just want it to be there. And obviously, this is a first step in that direction. But I'm, I don't think I'm as excited for this first step because I know where it can go. Mm. And that's where I want You to can be. still wireless charge with a case on your phone, right? Yeah. And I've never done that because those cases are pretty bulky. Mm. Wait, you're, 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 you're saying with your current phone you can wirelessly charge oh, with a I'm specific sorry. case? No, I mean or with this new for one. The new, with the yeah, new with one. Yeah, with the new one. I understand what you're saying. I that's thought a good you were question. talking about how there are battery packs for contact charging now for phones. No, no, no. I'm talking about... Will, are there cases that can be used so that you can still wireless charge? That's a good question. I yeah, would assume very so. Good question. But I have no well, idea. A quick Googling that I did about like Samsung phones was that like, yes, but very specific ones and they have to be like aligned properly. Um, so huh. that that's a question that I'm excited to find out more about is that like, I'm not going to walk around without a case on my phone. That's just not happening, especially not with a glass front and back. Um, right. and yeah, you, you've got to make it happen so that I can use the wireless charging and then also still keep a case on my phone. Um, that's really important to me. Yeah. Agreed. That's a good question. Do y'all care about the new color at all? I do. I love the rose gold. And so I'm sad to see it kind of go. I know that they're calling this a new gold and I've heard some people even call it a blush gold, hmm. um, because it's. You know, just a different shade of gold, and it's like lighter. Um, I think it's pretty. I'm sad that it's not available on the X ten, whatever we're calling it mm. ten. Yeah, yeah. I'm still calling it I, X. I, oh God. Okay. I, I like the gold. I'm not. I mean, I've never had a gold phone, so I haven't been like super tied to it at all. But yeah. I, I think I, I don't know if I like this gold better, but I still like it. Yeah. yeah. I only I, ever get I, black, so I have. Yeah, same. I do not care about <laughs> colors, but yeah. It's a great option. Okay, let's talk about the big kahuna iPhone 10. iPhone 10. Which I'm mm -hmm. still a little annoyed is not called iPhone X. Like, let's let's call it iPhone X, Apple. Because overall, Apple is very bad at naming things. I think just in general. Yeah. With their super retina HD. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm, I'm ready uh, for the iPhone to change to Apple phone so we can have a consistent naming structure. Oh, no. Just yeah. like it has Apple to the 2017 Apple, Apple phone? Like, yeah. just do a year and a and have it be the phone we'll just have it be like, like apple that? phone like i was kind of hoping that instead of iphone x or 10 that this was going to be like iphone 8 and then the new apple phone because they okay. have apple tv they have apple watch yeah. i thought they were going to keep the i monikers across all their products but they switched and now they're apple things and yep. fine like the mac isn't even called the imac anymore so if we're not doing eyes let's just get something consistent um but that's like I mean that's the a really big thing to t to change like for sure 
the iPhone is such an iconic name that to get people to call their phones a different thing is a big ask, I would say. Um, Okay, let's actually talk about the phone. What are we, are we, how do we feel about Face ID? I think it's amazing if it works. And I think that's just what we'll have to see. Like, it has to be better than Touch ID is the issue. Like, it's not an issue. It just is the truth. Like, (laughs) if it's not better than Touch ID, people are going to be upset. If it's the same or better, people will be fine with it. I think it's a great direction to go. One thing I was wondering, so after seeing this Apple event, I have so many questions about how the new phone will operate. Um, One of them is, you know, they kept saying all these things that would require for your phone to unlock. You have to, it has to be your face. You have to have your eyes open, looking at the phone. Um, It just does it by itself, all these things. I'm very curious if this phone if every time you look at it, if it, let's say your phone is off or, or, or locked, not off, but it's a dark screen. Every time you look at it, does the screen light up and unlock, you know, or do you have to be touching it? Because that will get real annoying real fast. It'll, if every time you look at your phone um, screen, if it just lights up, <laughs> imagine just like being in a meeting and it just really gives away if you're not paying attention, if all these phones are just like <laughs> bright lighting up or if someone like gets their phone out in a movie theater without like meaning to actually be on their phone and it just starts lighting up. All these things is what I'm very curious about how that will actually function. My understanding about that was that there are two ways that you can wake up your phone. One is hitting the little the button on the side and or- one is doing the uh, lift to wake. And the you touch have to do to wake. Well, the touch to wake, yeah. And so you have to do. Um, well, didn't it still have the lift to wake? I'm oh trying to yes, remember. no, it did have lift to wake. I was thinking of something else. You're right. And touch yeah, the wake was the third. Right, so you could touch the screen. Yeah. So my understanding was you had to do one of those things first, and then be looking at it. So like mm-hmm. if it's sitting on the table in front of you, you can and you haven't Touched done anything it. to wake it up. You can look at it all day and nothing will happen. Mm. We'll see. So. Um, a friend of mine got a Galaxy Note 8, like, got an advance. Uh, she pre-ordered it and got it early. And I will say the Face ID on app iPhone 10 is a lot more impressive. Um, that, I fo- from what I understand, the Samsung Note 8, you can fool it with a picture. Um, and whenever she went to unlock it, the, it gave her two big circles and she had to put her eyes in the circles for it to work and the ui just looked really clunky and Mm. not great and it's a it's a great phone like whenever i saw her messing around with it and the screen was beautiful lots of good things about it but this face id feels like a uh one that was really completely thought through um all the 3d face mapping and infrared so you couldn't even use a mask all that stuff is just really like they did their homework it seems like to me yeah you know as far as the animojis go and the the face mapping involved in that animojis seem cute and fun but what really excites me is not the animojis but what this face mapping technology can mean for other apps that developers can give us access to makeup I mean, makeup actually doesn't excite me that much as far as an app goes. Um. Oh, okay. Sorry. I was trying to... <laughs> I guess you can just do it in real life. You don't need yeah. augmented reality. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm thinking more creatively. Um, 
just very basically people doing a similar thing to the Animojis, but on a grander level, um, I think could be really exciting to have access to on a phone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Characters that look like you. Yeah. I mean, let's, you know, we could do, it's getting very much into sort of that, what was that Robin Wright movie, Lucas? Um, the Congress. The Congress. Yeah. Like we're getting into that territory where we could have Robin Wright or like, a Game of Thrones actor or someone um, just make an app where you can become that character or that actor. Um, I think there's going to be some fun, exciting stuff there. Uh, Definitely some fun, exciting, creepy stuff. True. Yeah. <laughs> true. I mean, Black Mirror had a very similar plot at one point to this whole Animoji thing. Yeah. Mm, okay. Okay, so rest in peace, the home button. That is now gone. Um, pour one out right and because of that um the whole function of ios and the way we use our phones i feel like changes pretty drastically i i think they were trying to downplay in the event um how that would change but so for instance you know they show that now the home button function is you you access by swiping up which i like the way that looks i think it feels very natural um, but because swiping up is now the home button function, um, the control panel that we used to have access to is now you swipe up from the t- swipe down from the top. So you have notifications swiping down from one side of the top and control center panel swiping down from another side of the top, which is interesting to me. I don't know how y'all feel about that or if y'all care. To me, I think what's, it's fine. It's different. But I think what's more interesting is they have two phones coming out at the same time with two different interactions for these things. Yeah. Um, Which is very weird from an like iOS level. Right. So. True. Yeah. So I I wonder how confusing that will be. My biggest question with the absence of a home button is how do we take a screenshot? Yeah. The two biggest questions for me were it's, how do you take a screenshot? And uh, I use, as I said, use my phone one-handed, don't have very big hands. I use the double tap to bring the top of the screen down to my thumb all the time. And I double tap on the home button to make that happen. <laughs> so yeah. I don't know how that functionality is going to be in this. Maybe mm-hmm. they're just saying, like, people are used to big phones by now, and no one needs that except for... Yeah. Uh, dinky people who live in Nashville. Um, and so <laughs> I just, that is something I use a lot that I you did use not that understand. on a You use that on a regular size a phone? On a six? It's too big. It don't on call a six, it a regular I use size it on a reg- phone. I like the too four. Big. Like, I, I like also, the four and the five. Y'all, yeah. y'all need yeah. to get over it. I have tinier no. hands than both of you, I bet. And S- Small phones are life. <laughs> No, that's fine. Like, I'm happy for people to use the bigger screens. I get the appeal. It's just like... It's... I'm just saying I have a 7 Plus and I never use that function. Listen, lady, we're not trying to take I, away your big I don't phones. know how you do it. Who <laughs> <laughs> we just want more options that fit us. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in how you take a screenshot because that's like an essential part of my viewing. It's power button and volume up. Okay. okay. Which is way, way easier, I think, than... Um, the current screenshot because of touch ID. Yeah. A lot of times I'll try and take a screenshot and it won't work. It'll just open the phone for me. Yeah. That, I, <laughs> um, I, because I, so it's, it's, it's much easier, I think. Yeah. To I'm into the screenshot that. that way. Another big question I have with this phone, and this is my biggest issue with the phone. Okay. Cause 
uh, I'll just say right now, I'm sold on iPhone 10. That's the one I want. I'm excited about it. Uh, my only concern, really, is so because the screen doesn't have a bevel anymore, it's the entire front of it is all display. Where the cameras are in the front cuts mm-hmm. into the screen di- display. Mm-hmm. So when you're watching a video, that little chunk is taken out. Mm-hmm. So when you are watching a video, the standard situation for that is the video ends at the notch. So okay. it doesn't fill those areas. Now you can double tap to have it fill the screen and kind of zoom in uh-huh. and fill those areas. And then you're missing that section of the video. Okay. Um, but, but default is to not go farther than the notch. Oh, okay. Well, then that solves everything. I'm happy to hear that. Uh, I was very <laughs> concerned that wouldn't be an I option w- and that... I was also worried about that Every as well. single video we watch is just going to have that tiny piece cut yeah. out. That would have been yeah. infuriating. Um, yes, for sure. I, yeah. Well, I really just... I don't like the look of that notch. Like, I think... I don't either. Yeah. Beautiful, and there's so many things about it where I look at it and I think, like they say, "Welcome to the future" or "Say hello to the future," and I think, "Wow, that really is." But when I see that notch, I just I wish they had made it black. I wish they had made the top of that just keep like a quarter of an inch bevel or whatever you need that area to be. Yeah. To keep those covered because and make the screen start right below that. And if you want to make it, you know, you can show the the amount of service or the bars, the battery above that. And that's all it can ever show, then great. But it needs to stay black because the whole thing they're trying to do is make it to where you don't think about the fact that you're using a phone. And they talked about that. And I think the edge-to-edge display really helps that case. The only thing hurting it and is that because that's different than any phone experience I've ever had. Some kind of random arbitrary cutting into the screen that's only there because of cameras. Like yeah. I never think about the fact that my phone has a camera in it because the screen goes so far and the camera and all that stuff is underneath just the black area above and below it. So, I mean, whatever. It's an incredible piece of technology. I can't believe all the stuff they put into it. And I really want to play with one. But yeah. that design thing yeah. really confused me. I, I mean, I definitely love a perfect rectangle. And so to have that cut out, is, it is a little distracting. I'm very curious um, about what screenshots are going to look like on that phone with that part cut out, you know, like (laughs) Mm -hmm. that, I think that's really interesting. And I think it's very interesting that if it look, if they look different than regular iPhone screenshots, how that will be a very telling thing in social media, you know, like if you post a screenshot of your symbol. Yeah. Um, one of the coolest things about iPhones for me is that so many people have them that, Little changes like this, they don't affect just our use of the phone, but they affect so much more. Again, little things, social things like screenshots. Um, It's a visual language that affects our entire social media use. Um, And I'm really interested in that. Um, I want to talk about the big selling point for me as a vain social media person and why I really want this new um, device is the improvements to the front-facing camera. I have bad news. Oh, yeah? <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. No, what, what is it? Okay, the bad news is, even though it has all of these new uh, front-facing mapping things, like the 3D mapping things that give you all these new capabilities, the camera itself 
is the exact same as like uh, what an iPhone 8 is going to be, which I think is the same as a 7. Um, it's 7 megapixels, which is the same as all the other front-facing cameras. Okay, that's what I was referring yeah, to. Yeah, I don't need more megapixels. I just need <laughs> clearer. <laughs> <laughs> more features. Yeah, so the image stabilization for the front-facing camera I think is really exciting. Um, I'm also really excited that on iPhone 10, I keep wanting to call it iPhone X. Um, that's an issue. <laughs> that mm-hmm. if... That on iPhone 10, um, both the lenses have stabilization and not just the main lens. Um, because the mm-hmm. telephoto lens really needs stabilization. Like, that's the one where you really need it. And so to have the telephoto lens on the 10 have stabilization is exciting for me as well. Yeah. I'm um, trying to think if I... I don't... I Like, I can't think of a... Like, I... Ugh, the front camera... Does it need to get much better than this? Than what you already have, or than, than what one we already, than, than than what we already have. I would disagree. Like, like obviously, like the, the the features, the features, like adding portrait mode, adding portrait lighting, and emojis, like all of those things. Yes, but the actual quality, because I don't use my front facing camera a lot, but the actual quality of the front facing camera, do you feel like it's lacking? Yes. I mean. So you would want more megapixels and a better aperture, if possible. Absolutely. Um, I use my front facing camera all the time and, um, yeah, there's a significant difference between taking a picture with your front facing camera and with your back camera. Like the quality is significant. Um, and because I use my front facing camera so much, it's strange to have two different levels of quality, you know, in my camera roll. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, that's true. so, yeah, I mean, ultimately, I would love a day when those are of equal quality. Um, but for now, I will take any improvements that I can get. So if there's improvements being made on the front-facing camera, I want them. I would take a camera of less quality if it got to be covered up by a screen. That <laughs> worked, so the notch went away. Agreed. Yeah. But it's so cool. Like, it's such a cool phone. It feels like a phone worth an announcement. The past couple have just felt like, and it's a little faster, and the camera's a little better, and like, basically what the iPhone 8 announcement was. Um, the iPhone 10 is amazing. I One of the things that I think is so funny about the two of these coming out at the same time is where it goes next. Like, is the next phone the iPhone 11, or is it the iPhone 9 and That's why they should have called it X upgrade because then they could have dealt with those issues later. Like, you know what I mean? There's they could have called it, also, they could have started a whole new naming structure. They could have like calling it 10 was such a bad move. I know. I wish that they one I wish they had done this for whatever my own persuasions for uh like presentation, but I wish they had been like uh okay, so we came out with the iPhone 8, but because it's a special anniversary we're not just going to, we want to take you two years in the future, past the iPhone 9 to the iPhone 10. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Something like that. Because, like, it seems, that's I. it's basically a name convention thing, but, like, it just seems silly to say, like, this is the 8, this is the 10, there's no 9, also the 7S isn't a thing. Like, I was just confused by yeah. their decision. If you would have said this phone is two years into the future, do you know how much shit that they would have gotten? They're already getting <laughs> shit from people that are like, we already have wireless charging. We're an Android. We already have this. <laughs> like, do you know how much crap they would have gotten yeah. for saying that their phone is two years into the future? Fair enough. Um, uh. I don't mind getting rid of the S. Uh, I've never cared for the S naming structure. Um, 
but like, yeah, it's, it's strange to miss out on a nine or get a nine later. We, we've talking a lot about the name and obviously it, it doesn't ultimately <laughs> matter, but <laughs> right. Well, what do you guys think as far as price goes? Are you willing to pay like an extra 20 bucks a month to have a 10 versus or will you buy it straight out? Well, do you do yeah, drop a thousand dollars? I'm not buying anything straight out. Currently I have, um, I'm part of the upgrade program. Um, so I pay about $40 a month for my seven plus, um, and I've been paying it for a year and I have the option now to trade it in for a new iPhone. And then, um, if I got sort of the same price point, it would stay at that rate. Um, or I could go up to the 10 and it be more expensive. Um, my big thing is I need more than 64 gigabytes of space. So I really have mm-hmm. to go up to the more expensive storage one. Um, which I've heard for the 10 is supposed to be 1150. Um, yeah. And so that's the one I would really need. And so uh, my rough math would be if I upgraded, I would be going from paying about $40 a month to about $55 a month. Um, and that's something that I'm leaning towards. Um, we'll see how I'm feeling about a month and a half from now when the pre-orders for the 10 come around. Um, but that's what my, that's what I'm leaning yeah. towards doing. Well, I hope you do it too, so that I get to see it in person. <laughs> Lucas, are you going to be do- making any upgrades? Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to decide. I'm also on the iPhone upgrade program, so I'll. I mean, I'll, I'll probably be jumping up to the, to the iPhone 10, um, and I have to get the 256 gigs. There's no way yeah. I can handle 64 right. gigs. I'm kind of annoyed that they're even offering <laughs> 64 gigs. I mean, remember well, when they used to offer 16? My God. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So what is this iPhone upgrade program talking? Is this through your carrier? No, What's it's the... through Apple itself. Apple has a program. It's it, it's like a buy a new phone every year program where you lease essentially an iPhone. Um, you pay, uh, you know, so much a month to have your phone and you have an option. Uh, you can either pay it for two years and then you own the phone. You get to keep it. Or... You can pay that much a month for one year, and then when a new iPhone comes out, you can trade in your current phone, if it's still in working condition, for a new phone and start a new two-year period over. Um, so what I and, and Apple Care is included in that. Um, so interesting. Yeah. So what I so I did that program one because I felt like I liked Apple Care more than my phone company's insurance plan. Um, and also so that I could get the new iPhone each year because that's something that's important to me. Price-wise, it equals out to the same thing as you um, buying, like upgrading or like buying a new phone and selling your old one every two years. Yeah. Um, except you get a new phone every single year. Yeah. So. Okay. Yeah. Well, I've always done the weird, like, even now that they're all on payment installment plans instead of you getting a mm-hmm. subsidized phone – I've still yeah. paid my phone off every time and like kept it. So, but I don't need to do that. Yeah. Like, they're just sitting in a drawer. Right. I feel like for me, I, that used to be my mindset was like, I can sell them later. And it's gotten to a point with technology where you can't really sell them for that much and, or they just sit in a drawer. And so I'd rather turn my phone in and get a brand new one every year than just like, 
pay off all these phones that are are either going to break at some point or I'm not or I'm going to sell for $200 or $100, you know. Um it, it just makes yeah. more sense to me to like have the new thing. Sure. Yeah. It makes sense to me. Okay. Well, um are there any final thoughts that we didn't want to go over before we wrap up? I want to hear what everyone who's listening is planning on doing with their phone upgrades. Yeah, we need advice. <laughs> yeah. What should we do? What are you doing and why? Tweet us. <laughs> Tweet at us. All right. Well, where can we find don't y'all? Tell me, don't tell me to get the 8 plus. I'm not doing it. No. <laughs> um, no, that's the other thing is that like I, if I'm going to upgrade, I'm going to get the 10. The 8 isn't enough of a draw for me to, to go through the upgrade process. Um, from my seven plus, I would say that's, there's the wireless charging is exciting, but it's not that exciting. Um, okay. Where can we find y'all online? You can find me at Lawson West on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd and all the rest. And you can find me everywhere on the internet at Lucas and stuff. And you can find me at Sandra, at Sandra Amstutz. My last name is spelled A-M-S-T-U-T-Z. And you can find our podcast Twitter account. It's at Feeling It Pod. That's where we're the most active. So get at, get at us on there. Thanks for listening, everyone. Adios. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. Goodbye now. Goodbye. Go away, Rick. I'll see you soon, okay? That's it? Go home? Yep. Yeah. Moving along, Padre. Goodbye, old friend. That's it. That's our show for tonight, people. 